Welcome everybody. This is the what the tenth or eleventh edition of the. I think it's the eleventh. Eleven uh, rock show. Yeah. And it's Mother's Day, and we're live at International. Um, and we're talking about the women in punk. Women in punk, women in rock and roll. This is something we're going to talk about. We're going to get back to it every couple of weeks. Have like a little series. Do that. Um, just want to say Happy Mother's Day, all the moms out there. Uh, we love you. And uh, all right, let's start. Um, so, what are we talking about today? Well, you know, since the beginning of rock and roll, there's always been women. Right? In the 50s, there was Wanda Jackson. She was a rock and roll chick, one of the few women out there playing that kind of music. In the early 60s, you had the girl groups. Um, a lot of them were kind of like pop groups but you know some of them had an edge like the Shangri-Las or the Ronettes but by the, by the early 70s late 60s early 70s women were starting to rock a little hard okay? and um, one of the people that I admire a lot uh, is Susie Quattro Susie Quattro right she's a pioneer in punk rock yeah, I mean, she's a, definitely a proto-punk. Uh, a lot of people were influenced by her, Joan Jett probably the most, and we'll talk about her later. But uh, Susie, uh, you know, really, it's an interesting career. I mean, she pretty much is an American. She was born in Detroit, 1950. Yeah, Michigan, yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of great music has come out of Detroit. It's just one of these places that, for some reason great rock and rolls come out of there uh, but she didn't get big here in the States she had to actually go to England to mm-hmm. get big you know we all know her in America as Leather Tuscadero yeah on Happy Days Happy Days that's right you know and uh, but prior to that role on that show she had a you know uh, quite a few years already of, of music under her belt um, basically in, in the uh, in the UK she had some number ones uh, a song called Devil Gate Drive Can the Can but it actually started a little bit earlier it started in America when she was about 14 years old still living in Detroit with her family um, she had a musical family her sister uh, Patty was actually in a rock band called Fanny now some of you guys might know Fanny it was like a all girl rock outfit kind of heavy uh, girls with uh, there was like a white chick a Hawaiian chick it was like I think it was three or four women in the band and uh, you know they were like one of the first all girl rock bands Um, but uh, like I said it was a musical family and Susie taught herself how to play bass when she was about 14 years old and in high school she started a band um, called The Pleasure Seekers and basically they were uh, an all-girl band. Uh, they wore like sexy outfits. Uh, you know, their hair was like in like beehives almost and stuff like that. Uh, but they rocked hard, and they put out a couple of singles. Um, definitely, they were influenced by the Stones, the Beatles, uh, even Billie Holiday to some extent. Um, I know Susie cites her as a, as a big influence. Um, they recorded three singles, and one of them was a song called "What a Way to Die," which is like probably the best out of the three in my opinion you can look that up uh she was on mercury records and they just put out a few singles but that band broke up in 1969 and she decided to move to england there was a lot of interesting things coming up at that point 69 70 71 you had the rise of bowie yeah. rex the, the glam rock scene was kicking in and she wanted to go over there and see if she could make it there so she went and she had a song uh, 
uh, it was a song called Rolling Stone that actually went to number one in the UK. Wow. By her, yeah. And it was written by, uh, by uh, I think, Nikki Chin and Mike Chapman, who were writing songs for Sweet at the time. She connected with them. And then in uh, 1972, she went on the UK tour with Thin Lizzy and Slade. And this tour pretty much introduced Europe and England to her entirely and they fell in love with her she was just like this uh, you know almost androgynous looking girl uh, wall leather like Linda Tuscadero I mean that's why they based it on her Um, and uh, she played bass she played this big Fender bass and just had these guys backing her up they were all good musicians and she was writing these like stomping heavy songs definitely indicative of the uh, of the glam rock scene at the time you know how much do you know about, about her? Oh, I know that um, she's one of the few artists that sold 50 million albums. Yes. But she was huge in the UK. I don't think she really got famous here. She, she, no. she got, but in Europe, she was like an Europe, icon. Europe, the UK, Europe, and Australia. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of big hits. Um, May in 73, she had that song called Can the Can. Which is probably my favorite song from her. Um, also a song called 48 Crash. She also had the Devil Gate Drive. Devil Gate Drive, yep, that's a good one. And that, uh, that there was a song called Real Wild Child. That was good too. Um, can the Can went to number one in Australia and a couple of European countries. 48 Crash was a big hit, Devil Gate Drive. Um, in 74, she finally made it back to the stage. She went on tour with Alice Cooper. Why was she so popular in Europe and not here? But she was also... It's popular a, in Australia. She was yeah. very popular. Yeah, too. yeah. I, I, I don't know. The, you know, the music scene was different then. I mean, even within the United States, because it's such a big country, back in the day, you could be big in New York and no one knows who you are in California. They were like, you know, I remember, you know the song, um, you know the song Gloria? Mm-hmm. G-L-O-R-I-A, yeah. right, right? I mean, there was a band called Shadows of Nights that did it. And also Van Morrison did it. Both those songs were hit to the United States at the same time. Okay, you were in the Midwest and in in the New York area. So it, it, it you know it, it happens. It happened then. It wouldn't happen now. Now it's all one big market. You know, everybody tries to be all one thing. But in '74 she went on tour with Alice Cooper, and uh, she started getting a little bit of recognition, uh, getting noticed a little bit, but just couldn't really break through for some reason. Um, it wasn't until 1978, actually, that she had a hit in America, okay? But in between, people got kind of used to her because of the Leather Tusk. They have a role yeah. in Happy Days, okay? Which was kind of silly, you know, it was a silly role, but she was cool in it. You know, I like those episodes. She was like Fonzie's girlfriend, Fonzie's right? girl, yeah. And, and she had a band called Leather in the Suede's. Leather in the Suede's. That was the name of the band. And, but in 78, she finally broke through in the States um, with a duet with singer Chris Norman, a song called Stumbling In. Stumbling In. Which was like a, you know, a light song. It was a slow song, good duet. But it wasn't really what she was. wasn't really what she was doing. But uh, it's still it's a song everybody remembers her for here. You know. Now, yeah. Drink this beautiful Bloody Mary. Hold on a second. Yeah, definitely drink the Bloody Mary. All right. Now, now, Susie Quattro. Um, 
wasn't making it here in the States. It just wasn't going to happen the way she planned, unfortunately. But there was somebody listening to her, listening to the music in the States that would really kind of take what Susie did to another level. Uh, and you could hear the influence of the music, and that was Joan Jett. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I'm going to talk about the Runaways here, because uh, I think they're very important as they far had, as... They uh, had so many band members also. Yeah, they that, had a few changes. A lot of changes. You had Peggy Foster. Um, you had uh, Jackie Fox. Right. Cherry... Uh, Cherry Curry. Curry. Um, Mickey Steele, Joni Jett. Lita Ford was the one, and then you had Sandy West. Right. Sandy West on drums. Yeah. yeah, so these were like young kids. Yeah, I mean, they started in 75. Sandy West and Joan Jett started the band, okay? And basically, they were introduced to each other by a famous producer named Kim Fowley. Kim Fowley's a real interesting guy in the history of rock and roll. Uh, long career. He wrote the song Alley Oop in the 50s. Oh, yeah? Okay, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. And uh, he had his own solo career with some crazy psychedelic songs in the 60s. Uh, a song called Animal Boy. Everybody should check that one out. It's crazy. Um, if you ever seen the Runaways movie that came out a few years back, uh, you could kind of get an idea on what went on in that band. Uh, a lot of infighting and stuff like that. But oh, yeah. It was what happens when you put a bunch of girls in a room together, right? <laughs> it, you know what? Was, I, I never realized they were the one that had Cherry Bomb. Yeah. Which that was I the, hear these songs like a hundred times. I never realized it was The Runaway. That's The Runaway. So I was, was like, jo- holy Joan shit. Was, Joan was on, um, on the rhythm guitar. Lita Ford was on lead guitar. And Cherry Curry was singing most of the vocals then at that point. Um, but she wasn't the original singer, okay? Originally, they had um, a bass player named Mickey Steele. Uh, she sang and played bass at the same time. Uh, but she didn't last, unfortunately, and they got Cherry Curry, and then they picked up bassist Peggy Foster. Uh, Lita Ford joined the band at that point on lead guitar. And basically, you had that lineup. So you had Cherry, Sandy, Peggy, Lita, and Joan. And you also had some other one, like Vicky Blue. And Vicky Blue would replace uh, would replace uh, bassist Peggy Foster. And then you had, uh, what was the last one, Laura... Macadine? Macadine? Laura? Uh, Lauren? Uh, I don't... Yeah, I think there was... There was one more girl. Yeah, that might have lasted like a month or something Yeah, some like of that. these people. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, Kim Fowley was a guy on the scene that, you know, was known to, you know, be able to push a band well, especially in the California area. Yeah. Okay, which is where they were from. And um, yeah, that's what he did. And, you know, he basically... He... They had they had this strange relationship with Kim. Uh, he treated them like shit, stole from them, ripped them off, wouldn't pay them for gigs. But somehow they 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 stayed with him at least for a while because they knew that they needed him to get that push. And he and he did. I mean, he got them on tour. He got them some worldwide coverage. I mean, these were just you know high school girls. Yeah. Okay. But they were good. And um, you know, uh, Cherry Curry would wear lingerie on stage, which was controversial at the time, not just not just because of wearing lingerie, it's because she was so young. She was 16. Yeah, I mean, you would borderlining with the runaways, you're borderlining on like a little pedophilia, you know, but <laughs> with them. Okay. No, we don't have to. 
Food, an international? Somebody just asked for food. <laughs> so, um, you know what's crazy about them? These girls were like hot yeah. in Japan. Yes. Because Japan loves that kind of freaky young in, girls and fucking... In Japan, the only bands that were bigger, that were selling more than the Runaways at that point was Kiss, Led Zeppelin, and ABBA. Holy shit. Okay, and they were number four. The Runaways were number four in, in selling albums. Wow. Okay. Um, but before they went to Japan, because they went to Japan in 77, in 76 they signed for Mercury Records and they put their first self-titled album yeah. out. Um, they ended up opening for Van Halen, Cheap Trick, Tom Petty. Those are big bands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, big, they were getting a names, lot of coverage. I can remember as a kid reading the rock magazines, and they were always in there. They were, you know, Roxy and Cream were always putting the Runaways in there. It was just great material. I mean, you know, yeah. good-looking girls rocking out, you know, and uh, they were opening for, like, you know, Van Halen, you yeah. know? Um, and you can see they're, like, a good way to open up a show. You see all these hot girls come on yeah. singing and yeah. rocking. Then you're like, holy yeah. shit, man, look at this shit. Right, right. And then the main act come in. That's a great, that's a great scheme. Yeah, it was, it was. 77 comes along and, you know, punk is starting to take off and they got lumped in with that scene a little bit. Um, I know Joan Jett's been on record saying that, you know, she didn't care for that too much. Lita Ford is on record saying she didn't care for that too much. But it's just how it happened. Yeah. You know, because the, to the, that band, I think a lot of people didn't know exactly what to make of them. And when something weird like punk came along, they said, all right, just stick them in that genre. Yeah. You know? And uh, they ended up playing with a lot of bands. I mean, they would play CBGBs with the Ramones. They would, they would go, when they went to the UK, they played with the Damned. And, you know, they were friends with those guys and all that stuff. Um, but in 77 they went to Japan and it was insane okay they went over there they, they ended up recording a live in Japan album oh yeah yep and uh, when they got there when they got off the plane they were mobbed like the Beatles holy like the, like shit the, all the shit you saw the Beatles yeah, that's what that, was happening today in Japan yep I wonder why they were so big in Japan Japan at that point and they're still like this to some way I mean they um they basically uh, love everything American. Yeah, right? they really do. So, yeah, they, they do. You know, uh, Cheap Trick was huge in, in Japan at that point too. So there was that connection. They had the Live at Budokan yeah. album around that time. So there was that connection with them as well. How would the runaway? How would the how would the runaway in Europe? What's that? How how did they do in the UK? The runaway? Not bad, not bad. Uh, they never sold. They never sold a lot in Europe. It was the Japan crowd that really pushed them over the edge. Um, but again, I was saying before, there was a lot of infighting in the runaways. I can see that's uh, a lot of egos there. A lot of egos, a lot of cat fights, okay? <coughs> Excuse me. And um, Leah Ford was always somebody that uh, wanted to be more heavy metal, okay? And eventually, the direction the band was going to go, the decision of the direction, is what would break them up, okay? But they were still going strong in 77, um, but Cherry Curry left the band, okay? And uh, Joan took over all the lead vocals at that point. And they would put out another album, okay? Um, Kim Fowley would leave, okay? They would have a falling out with him, and basically that was over because, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that was over because, um, there was an accusation 
that he had uh, raped one of them in the band. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, Do you know which one? I think it was... I should know this, and it's off the top of my head here. I think it was Vicky Blue. I think it was Vicky Blue. Okay. Um, I don't want to say the wrong thing because that's a serious accusation. Yeah. But, but no, but it is true. Uh, and supposedly it was in front of a bunch of people, and the band didn't didn't do anything about it. I don't know. I mean, that's something they they didn't really even cover that in the movie or anything like that. You know, I don't know. Who knows if it happened? Who knows if it didn't? Okay. But uh, she would leave, and um, he would leave, and because he left, they lost their record contract with Mercury, all the connections that they had through him. He died. And, well, they would put out one more album, okay? And it's a, it's a, it's a good album. They got signed to Polydor Records, and it was called And Now the Runaways. That was their, their third album, their last album. Yeah. Okay, the third plus the, the live yeah. in Japan. Yeah. Um, that album was produced by Thin Lizzy producer John Alcock, okay, um, and by April 79, the band would break up over the musical differences I just said. They played their last gig, New Year's Eve 1978, in San Francisco. Uh, but, you know, it didn't end there, okay? I mean, Joan Jett became huge. Yeah, okay? and Lita Ford had Lita a solo Ford, career. Ford had a successful solo career. Um, it, it, you know, you can look back at the Runaways in so many different ways. Uh, some people dismiss them because they say they, they, you know, weren't the greatest musicians. But, you know, that doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, I kind of hate when people say that. Um, but uh, they were definitely, as far as for women, it was an empowering thing. I'm sure yeah. to see these girls up, up on stage rocking Especially out. Especially at that time in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, nobody like was too, doing that. Nobody, nobody was doing, nobody that. Was really doing that. Was that? Jackie Fox. Fox. Yeah, yeah, I'm Daddy sorry. Fox. That was Jackie Fox with that rape accusation. Yeah. Yeah. I had my notes there. I got confused for a second. But, uh, yeah, she was the one that made the accusation. Jackie Fox. But we don't know if it really happened or something that was just... She left the band over it. Why would you leave the band? Yeah. You know? I mean, Kim Fowley was known for, for being a psycho anyway. He actually just died a couple of years ago. Wow. Uh, before he died, he had a show on Sirius, on Sirius XM, which was fucking great. He used to listen oh, yeah. to it all the time. And then uh, when the Runaways movie came out, I remember listening to it and thinking, like, man, this guy was a real fucking maniac. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so, um, at the same time as the Runaways, uh, we had the whole UK punk scene happening. And... This woman I'm going to talk about now is, is probably one of my favorite uh, women performers, women singers, um, women-fronted bands ever, okay? Her name was Polly Styrene, and she was the singer of the band uh, X-Ray Specs. Born in 1957, her real name was Marion Joan Elliott Said in the UK, and she was raised in Brixton. She had an Irish mom and a uh, Somalian dad, so she was of mixed race. She also was like, um, she did a little bit of, like a little bit of, um, she had that reggae thing. She had a reggae single, reggae sounding single out before the band. Um, 
about 1975, 76, a song called Silly Billy. Silly Billy, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, it's like a little poppy reggae kind of song. Um, and I've talked about this in, in other episodes of The Rock Show. When it comes to the UK, there's always been that, that reggae influence in there. Um, but, you know, she started out, ran away from home when she was 15, 1972. Um, she was kind of like a hippie, crashing out in different places. Um, but by 1976, when she saw the Sex Pistols, she knew what she wanted to do. Yes, that, that was a life-changing moment. That influenced her a lot, the Sex Pistols. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, she decided to get involved with this new emerging punk scene in England, and she put together X-Ray Specs, which to me, one of the best of the original UK bands. Um, talk about their music in a minute. But um, she got her, her name, Polystyrene. She actually got it out of the Yellow Pages. Uh, she wanted to have a, a name that sounded almost like plastic or made up. And she found that just, it was like, a, you know, she opened the page up and it was right there, polystyrene. So that's what she called herself. Everybody in those days were naming themselves different things. Um, she was just not a usual front person, or, or for, especially as a woman. Uh, she was still young. She was like 19. She wore braces. She wore like baggy clothes. Um, she wasn't extremely sexy or anything like that like a lot of bands would put a woman like that up front um, but she had something she had talent she had a, a, this, this very distinctive voice uh, almost like a screeching voice but it wasn't annoying I never found it to be a grating voice or anything like that um, you know what I work with she was actually trained in opera well, she was. That's she right. She was classic that's true. in opera, that's so true. she could she could carry a note. She could carry a note, yeah. so which yeah. a lot of people even though she screamed realize, the yeah. lyrics out, but she still carried a yeah. note. Their first single um, would be a song called "Oh Bondage Up Yours," and the opening line was, um, "Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I say, Oh Bondage Up Yours." <laughs> okay, and that was like a you know a call to arms. Um, Polly said it was it was less of a feminist thing and more of a anti-consumerism kind of uh, attitude that the band had at the time. In fact, when you listen to their their album, the one album called Germ Free Adolescence, um, a lot of the songs on there are kind of like about anti-corporation, anti-consumerism, like that. Um, but that single would, would rise up the charts. Uh, and the unique thing about X-Ray Specs is the use of a saxophone. Okay, they had a saxophone player named Laura Logic. Okay, and she was only 15 years old. So you had two girls in the band. And, you know, for punk bands in the 70s, uh, that was kind of a rare thing to have, you know, affronted by a woman and also a woman saxophone player any saxophone player in a punk band back then was different yeah but that was definitely a different kind of sound like yeah. it made it yeah. made the music sound different made the music a little bit more very unique yeah very, very unique, unique sounding um, the other guys in the band was Jack Airport on guitar Paul Dean on bass Paul Harding on drums and like I said Laura Logic on uh, saxophone 77 they started touring uh, they did a, a large UK tour with the Buzzcocks the Drones and Wire the Buzzcocks is a very good band Buzzcocks are a great band very underrated band yeah we should do a show on them yeah we definitely, we definitely gotta do should. a show uh, and we, Peter Shelley died a couple of months ago so you know, sadly there won't be any more Buzzcocks yeah 
Um, but um, that got them, uh, that tour got them a lot of exposure. Uh, the media loved the, the UK punks, the medium in, in, in the UK loved their punk scene. Yeah. You know, it was outrageous. And uh, to have a girl fronting a band is something that they, they gave a lot of interviews with her. And she, but she was a shy kid. If you ever watch any of these interviews, you can see them on YouTube. She doesn't say a whole lot. But they're trying to like get, know, into, get, a, get into a but get, you know what? Less is always more. By her saying less, they may have more exactly. of a exactly. fucking more mysterious moment too. Like, yeah. wow, we need to know more. Who is this person? What is yeah. this person about? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, they made their first album called Germ Free Adolescence. Came out in 1978, and I believe there were five singles released off that album. Um, this is one of my favorite punk records of all time. I think it's as good as the Sex Pistols album, the Clash album, first Clash albums. Um, it's it's just one of these records I always go back to. I actually listened to it last night, just getting ready for the podcast, and it always blows my mind. Like the, the sound with the sax and the catchy lyrics, catchy melodies, yeah. and everything. And I mean, I think it's one of the best of that original UK. Scene. I think they were pretty much like a sound of their own. Nobody yeah. else sounded Nobody like sound, this. No, like they were very like funky, very like holy shit. Yeah. What the fuck yeah. is that? You know, um, they they used a little bit of keyboard. Boards. They were probably one of the first bands to do that in that scene. Uh, the Stranglers did it too. The Stranglers had keyboards too around yeah. the same time. But, but definitely X-ray specs. Um, like the title track, Germ-Free Adolescence. You have this long keyboard intro in the beginning and everything. It's, yeah. it's, it's great. It's phenomenal. It is. It is. Um, after that tour, uh, sadly, uh, Polly got diagnosed with schizophrenia. Uh, she was having problems where she would see bursts of light and hear voices and stuff like that. Oh, and, so she was fucked up. Yeah, man. yeah, and and it, it came like out of nowhere, and uh, so she was treated for that. Um, but um, you know, the band kind of started to fall apart because I think I don't know. I I'm, I'm not sure 100, percent but the sense that I've gotten is like you know, I guess with that medical. Thing going on, yeah. She, she probably had a problem staying in the band anymore, and eventually she would leave the band. Okay, they only recorded that one album. And that's they it. actually would reunite uh, back in the early 2000s and come out with a second album, but it's fucking awful. It's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. And I mean, it's. An, I remember when that came out, and I was like excited to hear it, and I was like, oh man, it, it, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. So ignore that second album. But um, sadly. Uh, she would she would die in yeah, uh, 2000 April 25th 2011 at the age of 53 right she had cancer so uh, but throughout her life um, even after x-ray specs uh, she did some some uh, solo material some of it was reggae influenced um, interesting stuff uh, nothing mind-blowing but she was she was a person that you could look back as a pioneer yeah, for women, a pioneer, yeah. you know, for women in music, and um, it's sad that she died so young. I mean, you know, the, the now I mean, that was what 2011. Yeah. Now we're 2019. I think people are becoming interested again in what happened back then. Back then. So yeah. too bad she's not around today to see that. You know. Oh, to talk about it. Yeah, you know? that's what I mean. You know, because it was a unique time. You know, it was very and she, time. she was a young kid and had a, a first eye perspective of it all. So. Um, are any of these people in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? 
Well, Joe Jett just got in yeah. as Joe Jett in the Blackhawks. In the Blackhawks. The Runaways yeah. are not in. Susie Quattro's not in. Okay. None of those people know who she is. How about this girl? No. Nope. No. X-Ray Specs. Um, Anyway, well, considering they only had the one album, I don't, I don't see them really getting in. Um, but the, I have no respect for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anyway. I couldn't uh, give a shit what they put in there. <laughs> Did you see where the kill, where they asked um, Robert Smith, he was like, who the hell cares about this thing? Yeah. He pretty much changed the interview. You know, I mean, anybody that really cares about their music really shouldn't give a shit if they get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is more about who sold more records. Okay, I mean, they stuck Madonna in there. They stuck Michael Jackson in there. What do they have to do about rock and but roll? But Su- Susan Quaz said sold fifty million albums. Not in America. <laughs> it's it's you know it's a, an elitist kind of club at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, look how long it took them to put Kiss in there. Look oh, yeah. how and they sold millions. Look how long it took to get Alice Cooper in there. Okay, Alice Cooper is one of these guys that you know he's a known. I mean, there's a lot of politics. Okay, Alice Cooper is you know goes to church every Sunday. All right, and he, and he tells people he does that. Okay, and he's not afraid to talk about you know his faith. Well, that don't fly with the liberal establishment that runs the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So fuck you, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right? That's what I gotta <laughs> oh say. Oh my God! Shit. Too, much, too much politics in that place, man. You know. Um, so the Joni Jets just got in, so she's the only one. I don't think I could see any any other guy, any of these getting into it. No, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. Uh, you know, the music speaks for itself. So why was the reason that you picked these three? Well, I wanted to kind of talk about some people that were uh, my favorites, okay, that I feel uh, really did something for for women in music. Uh, Susie, even though she wasn't big in America, but I mean, Susie was a direct influence on Joan Jett. Yeah. And Joan Jett, without a doubt has influenced a lot of women to play rock and roll. Oh, yeah. All right? You know, she was influential in with The Runaways. She was even more influential as a solo act. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, bands today, girls like later on, like that whole Riot Girl scene in the 90s, uh, bands like Bikini Kill, um, even bands like uh, The Donnas, which are a great band. Oh, that's a very good band. Yeah, a great very band. Um, you know, they were definitely influenced by Joan Jett. I mean, you can't deny that. You see it all over the place. You know, and but, but I, I, I wanted to do Susie and Joan, and, and Runaways and Joan, uh, because you could just see that that kind of like influence. Influence, yeah. If you watch videos of Susie Quattro, it's Joan Jett. Yeah. Okay, it's, it, and, and Joan Jett, you look at her, it's like, Susie Quattro. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing, you know. And and I think that's cool because you could see that Joan, once she once she realized she wanted to play music, she was, played was, fucking music. She played it right, you know. And she had Susie as a model. That's why I picked her, you know. And, 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 and Polly and Polly was on the UK scene. I think she was one of the first real important female figures. She was on fire. Yeah, definitely. She was on fire. It's definitely weird that um. 
lot of these bands, like especially uh, Susie, like she wasn't, she was an American musician actually from Detroit, but she didn't really get fame here, and she really got famous in fucking UK, which is yeah. always surprising when well, you're in America. It's yeah. almost like David Boy, all those people that come here and become famous here. This was a reverse. Do you think they ever go back to the fucking country? No, they wind no. up moving here, living Once here. You, if you're in the UK and you're an artist and you break it in America, there's no going back. There's no going back. There's no going back. I mean, you know, that's the market you want to break. There's 300 million people here. Yeah. Okay, UK is a third of that. Yeah. You know, so once you break the American market, but Susie's, you know, she's had a long career. She still plays occasionally. Um, that's still amazing. will put out music occasionally. And... You know, uh, she's. Uh, it, it is a very unique story with her. They should make a movie about it. You know what's funny? Joni Jett just had a big. Um, Called uh, Ronda Rossi, the wrestler, the MMA. She comes out to a bad reputation. So uh, Joni Jett, Joni Jett did in yeah. front of eighty-eight thousand people play she played bad reputation, bad reputation yeah. when she came out, which was kind I mean, of amazing. It's amazing what happens when wrestling picks up on a song. Okay, I mean, remember with Motorhead with the game? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, and that's not even a great Motorhead song, no. to be honest with you. And that was, that was huge. I mean, he had a lot of exposure. Lemmy, they love wrestling. Like, he used oh, yeah. to hang out with those yeah, guys. No, like, Lemmy was crazy. They got some yeah. crazy story about him hanging out with these guys. Yes, and soon we're going to do a show on Motorhead because uh, oh, we gotta I think we should have already. I've been waiting too long. That's going to be something. I think we should do Motorhead like next week. That would be the topic. Really? You want to do it next well, week? We could do like two yeah. parts of Motorhead. Ahead, I, think I think we might have to. That's going to have to be two parts. You're talking a 50-year career. Yeah. You know, um, all right. That'll be next week's show. Yeah, next cool. week we do some motorhead. We can right. do, we get the notes together, we put it out. But this was... Uh, be, beware, that's going to be an R-rated episode. Uh, so There'll be a hide, lot of fucking... Hide, hide, your kids, hide your kids, hide your wife, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> um, so what else you got for me, Mike? Well, we'll talk about... Uh, some shows coming up. Yeah, Before definitely. Before I do sure. that, I want to I want to give a shout out to Audriana and her band uh, Broken Time Machine. Uh, if you guys are on the Lower East Side and you have a chance to see her band, um, I saw them for the first time on Friday night playing over at KGB's, and uh, uh, I was told she was good. Okay, but I didn't realize until I saw her how damn good she is. I mean, you know, she goes from pouring my Guinness to. Singing in front of me, you know, and she, yeah. she was amazing. Got a great voice. Uh, they do a lot of interesting covers, a couple of originals. But uh, if you have a chance to see this band, check them out. Broken Time Machine. Um, coming up, we got a few shows. Uh, this Thursday, Nashville Pussy, Guitar Wolf, and the Turbo ACs are playing in Brooklyn Bowl. Brooklyn Bowl. Brooklyn Bowl is actually a nice venue. Yeah, it's a it's a bowling alley. It's kind of a little bit of an upscale bowling alley in Hipster Williamsburg. If you can tolerate that shit. And you know, you go see the band. It's it's it, Nashville Pussy's amazing. I've been seeing them for over twenty years now, and they've never let let me down. They just put on kick ass show every time. Uh, May twenty third, the Undertones are playing at a Gramercy Theater. I believe there are still tickets for this show. Go see this band. It's uh, if you're not doing anything that night, we should go. All right. Who is it? The Undertones. The Undertones. They're, they're, oh, yeah, they're, the an, Undertones Irish, they're an Irish band. Yeah. Um, they haven't come around in a while. I haven't seen them in about 20 years. I remember them. I heard of yeah. a few songs. Yeah. yeah. Um, May 19th, you got uh, the Joe Ramone birthday bash at the Bowery Electric. This show is sold out, but if you can get in, give it a shot. There's a lot of good bands are playing. Those birthday but, shows are going to be a shit show. 
It's well, gonna be, it's well, always C- a shit show because well, you get like, electric. It gets too fucking crowded. Yeah, it sucks. Okay. Uh, but yeah. CJ Ramon is playing that night, um, and there'll be you know uh, the usual Lower East Side bands playing. Um, May twenty fifth. That's a that's a Saturday, I believe. May twenty fifth. Um, over at Tompkins Square Park is the Wasted Crew Party. And uh, you got Urban Waste, Full Scale Riot, Caught in a Trap, and The Undead are playing. Uh, I'm a huge Undead fan, and uh, I would do my best to make that show. I think I got to work that day, but I'll probably get what that. Day, what, is, what day it's is that? It's a Saturday. Yeah, it's a Saturday. Is that what they do, the punk stuff? Yeah, it's all like punk and hardcore yeah. and stuff like that. And the show is free, so just you know, come on down and check it out. Um, that's about uh, it, man. I'm also going to the um, oh, Tommy, Tommy London Tommy birthday London. badge, which is May 15th at Ardine's Grocery. Mm-hmm. I'll be there at 9.30. Um, uh, get your tickets. I got a few tickets if anybody's interested to go to the Tommy London birthday badge. And I'll be um, May 15th, which is this Wednesday. Right. And um, song of the week. Song album of the week. Album of the, album week. the week will be the X-Ray Specs during Free Adolescence. Uh, if you don't have this album, go on don't Amazon or hit your record store and, and buy it now because uh, and get the extended one with a couple extra tracks on it. You it's know, worth it. You know what we should do? We should put a wish list of album and get the viewers to buy us some albums, and then we could <laughs> talk about the albums. Okay. If somebody bought us, we'll give them a plug. Okay. We'll make a wish list. So buy the album. We'll buy the album. Then we'll just talk about the album, and we'll just break it down and right. see why you like this album. And, you know, if you guys have any questions, you want to contact me, I'm on Instagram, you know, RockerMike212. I'm also on Twitter, RockerMike3. Um, you know, if you have any questions, anything you want me to cover, uh, you know, I'll definitely listen. You know, have any good ideas, I appreciate that. Um, how about the gettinglumpedup.com website, Rob? You got it's, that up it's, and running? It's up and running. I just got to figure out how to do uh, one or two things, so... Um I'm still working at it, but it's, uh, it's you so can far. Sign, you can sign up for the you podcast. You can sign up for the podcast. Do that. You can sign up it's for free. Just, it's free. Just, just put your email address in. That's all you got to do, and you'll get the links to the shows. Yeah. Uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time now, this is like the 11th episode, and we've had a lot of fun doing this. We're going to keep doing this. Um, until we get tired. We, <laughs> I don't get tired talking about music, man. I could do this all day. And uh, next week, we got a, you got a lot of homework next week. We talk about Motorhead. Motorhead, yeah. I mean, Lemmy's one of my favorite people that ever lived on this planet. <laughs> that might be a show that we'll polish about Jack Daniel while we're that might, You know what? You know what? That might be appropriate. I mean, you know, or at least Jack and Coke on a Sunday. Not, not, stra- not straight up. We'll do a Lemmy, Lemmy style Jack and Coke. <laughs> So, people, I want everybody to have a wonderful Mother's Day. Yes. I hope you call your mothers and remind them that you love them because they had your fucking fucking ass to deal with for years. I, I do want to say something, though. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to two people. The first would be my wife, Sandy. Yeah. Okay? Uh, people that know her, you all know she's a sweetheart. She, she raised four kids on her own. Uh, not an easy task. And they all grew up okay, all right? So it's a lot to be commended for. And also I want to thank my mom for putting me on this planet and uh, putting up with me for my whole life. I got to thank my uh, mom too for putting up with my ass. (laughs) I wasn't an easy child. And mama would have knocked you out. (laughs) Okay, Jose. (laughs) Jose's in the bag. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) 
right. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. And, and remember, don't get, get drunk. drunk. We get, get lumped, lumped up. up. Have a good one.